What's happening, beautiful podcast listeners? Today's show is brought to you by Connection-Based Living. Connection-Based Living is our outpatient program where we help people transform out of addictive patterns without having to go to rehab. So if that sounds of interest to you, you are struggling with some addictive patterns or have a loved one that's struggling with addictive patterns, uh, you can reach out to us at www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. That's www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. Have a bit of a click around, see what we do and what we're all about. You can book in a free uh, 45-minute recovery consultation with us where we can go through your history and your story and, and work out a bit of a recovery plan for you moving forward and what's going to be the best thing. Um, and if we can't help you, we'll definitely point you in the right direction. It's just super important that if you're in that stage where you think you might want to do something or things aren't going exactly how you want them to, um, it's just the best thing is just to have a chat with someone. So that's www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. Um, link in the show notes and let's jump into today's show. Enjoy. Record here. Okay, in three, two, one. Boom. Welcome everybody uh, to another episode of Real Drug Talk. Um, so today, uh, really cool. Uh, so just so you know, and I've said this a few times, but I've got like podcast recording psychosis at the moment because as I said to you, Faye, um, little bubs is on the way and we're pumping out some um, shows so that we have content that goes over that time period that I'm off. Um, and it's just so happened. Like we always talk to cool people, but I've been, I've been able to chat to like a few people lately um, in the last couple of days that I've kind of seen on social media from afar that I've really wanted to speak to, um, but just like haven't had the opportunity and you're one of those people. So I'm excited okay. to, to chat today because, um, yeah, what you're doing is like very cool, very interesting. Um, and it's just what I think needs to kind of happen in this space is and, and it's starting to happen, which is exciting is not that people before were doing a bad job, people were doing a great job, but I just think there has to be a bit of uh, freshness, excitement, innovative ideas, um, you know, some, some, some new players in the space to make things happen. So Faye's doing that. So I'm just going to embarrass you quickly um, oh, and, and, and read your bio. <laughs> oh, cool, man. Yeah. Um, so, so today on the, on the show, we've got Faye Lawrence. So she founded Un Untoxicated, great name, love it, uh, in 2018. Um, having been a heavy drinker, but high functioning drink, oh, sorry, heavy, but high functioning drinker since her teens and wound up in an inpatient detox in late 2017 after the wheels really fell off. Determined to not let her sobriety ruin her social life, Untoxicated was born. Faye's professional background is in marketing, communications, and corporate affairs, predominantly, predominantly in the non for profit sector. She also holds a psychology degree graduating shortly after she got sober a social butterfly and a bit of an idealist she's a passion she's passionate about building community and beliefs in the world where in a world where everyone belongs um so very very cool and um as i said to you before we started recording i um obviously had seen it before but was going through your website a little bit again and that's kind of the stuff that like I think needs to happen and it's really cool. Like I've seen it happen in mental health, but it's starting to happen in sobriety and um, all this space. So tell us about Untoxicated. Great name. Um, it's the biggest Thank thing you. that comes up for people like the social, the social oh. aspect, you know, so that's really cool. Yeah. Tell us a bit about it. 
so much, so much. Well, I think really I just created what I needed, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> Love that, love that. So when, you know, because I'd always been such a social person and the thought of operating without alcohol yeah. and how that was going to impact my social identity and like how I saw myself as well as like what I actually did yeah. um, in terms of how I did socialize with people. I, it was a massive deterrent for me and a massive hurdle in like actually, you know, stopping drinking yeah. um, because I just couldn't imagine it. And then when I did, when it got to the point where I was like, yeah, we can't do denial anymore. This actually does have to be dealt with and you yeah. do have to finally do it. Um, then I was like, well, you know what? Um, you know, I know that I know that this isn't all gonna be rainbows and unicorns, but we've still got to be able to have some fun in this thing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and like meet people and do, you know, I need I needed some new friends as well because all my friends were sort of, you know, they were mainly people who were quite like to drink or two. Yeah, yeah. And um, I didn't want to lose those friendships, but I knew I couldn't do the same things that I was doing before. I had to shift those friendships to daytime stuff. So then I was like, well, you know, I want to focus on all the positive things that I'm gaining. I was trying to shift my mindset, obviously, like what am I gaining in sobriety? And yeah. there was a lot, um, but, you know, I didn't want to be sat home on a Saturday night going, well, stuff this, you know, if I've got to stay home then I'm, you know, and be angry about it, basically. 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so I started the face-to-face meetups and, like, in the beginning, like, literally one person would turn up. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I did. Things. And where was that that you started that? The oh, that was in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, so I live in Brisbane. I've been here for 21 years. And um, and then we quickly opened up one. Well, I say quickly. It was probably almost a year later. Yeah. Uh, 2019 opened up one in Sydney and then Melbourne, Melbourne followed later that year after we did the 730 report. Um, lots more people sort of got to know about us and what we were doing and then on the back of that um i opened up the the online support which is the closed facebook group and we've got a forum um and so people either tend to come in through the meetup or through the through the um facebook group yeah um and it just sort of went from there really amazing amazing um so I, I want to come back to that because all of that is really, um, really cool and really pertinent to, I think, yeah, what kind of needs to change in the space. And I'll be interested to hear how it kind of leads into it. But do you mind just like, tell us a little bit about your, your drinking and um, sobriety story and, and how that all happened and how it all came about and yeah, all those sorts of things. Sure. Um, look, I was always quite, quite a pisshead. <laughs> I grew up in a family that, you know, as, as a lot of UK families um, and Australian families as well, uh, you know, drinking was sort of fairly central to, to everything, reward, celebration, commiseration, 100%. Um, you know, just everything. And so it was, I've got quite a lot of alcoholism in my family as well on both sides. Yeah. Um, so it was just normal. Yeah. And um, I think that's a lot of people's experience. Um, and, you know, I sort of did think I wasn't going to repeat the patterns and then I did. Yeah. Um, but I, 
used it when, when I came to Australia in 2000 and then you know I'd always been quite a party girl and I had two young kids and I separated from my husband um in 2001 and yeah. then it was like the stress yeah, yeah yeah you know the stress was just huge as a single parent with small kids and no support network um and then just over the years uh you know I was always high functioning I always sort of held it together but I had a lot of incidents shall we say yeah um you know I knocked my two front teeth out like blackouts and stuff yeah blackouts all the time um that was standard yeah um you know just all the things that we all do just behaving badly, throwing up all day. You know, there was there was a long period there where all day Saturday I'd be throwing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's all quite... the stuff that people forget about, isn't it? Like I know it you is. said that you, you knocked your front teeth out, which is kind of funny. You're not my in a way now. Now it's They're funny. Not mine. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's I find like particularly when I'm talking to people about alcohol and it's been years and years of it, um, it's all the little stuff like just constantly having fucking reflux, yeah, throwing up all day, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's just horrible. Yeah. I mean, I'd go to work, but if I had a hangover, I'd like go out in the car at lunchtime and try and have a nap in the car. Or if I someone, you know, like a boyfriend lived nearby, I'd go to his place, have a wine and then have a quick sleep. Yeah. So hair of the dog, even if it was a work day, was, you know, not kind of a big deal for me. Um, yeah. And then towards the end, though, so you, you have like protective factors. So some of those protective factors where the kids were still at home and I was going out to work. And when I lost those protective factors, the kids had left home and I was working from home. Mm-hmm. And then I experienced some, you know, sort of unpleasant circumstances. It just then went out of control yeah yeah and that's how it that's how it happens isn't it and i think it's a really interesting like kind of story that you tell about like alcohol use and and how it happens for people because and i think that's i don't know tell me if you disagree but i think that's part of the thing that we have to demystify a little bit about addiction like when when you sort of started it's not like you were drinking and it probably even though you might have been drinking a lot might not have even been a, a problem per se but you're kind of drinking that amount and your risk factors go up. So then when something, like you said, you moved here, you had the separation and then you had the stress and whatever, when you have those other risk factors come in, it's kind of like the perfect storm starts forming. And then all of a sudden the partying and the drinking, that behavioral pattern turns into like a coping mechanism and then boom, you're stuck with an addictive pattern. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd had the addictive pattern for quite a long time. Like I'd, I'd gone to an AOD counsellor back in 2001 and yeah. I was on, on, on our track zone. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was sort of, you know, it's not linear, it's in out, shake it all about. It's like, oh, my God, I've had something absolutely gut-wrenchingly mortifying and awful and I'm the worst person in the world. Right, I'm going to go to an AA meeting and then you get there and you're like, no, I'm not like these people. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, also I grew up in an environment where alcohol and drugs were just part and parcel of, of, you know, just normal. So, um, yeah. Uh, it, it just I would always be because I surrounded myself myself with people like me which isn't hard to do um I would just always dismiss it 
And yeah. so it was actually almost easier in a way when it got to the point where I just couldn't deny it anymore because it was black and white. Whereas yeah. I, I think there's a really good analogy in Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Drinking, which I think Annie Grace refers to as well about the pitcher plant. Yeah. So you start off and you're kind of like, you still think you're in control. It's that alcohol use um, disorder, uh, alcohol use, what's it called? Yeah, disorder. They're like the spectrum of alcohol abuse. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're sort of incrementally moving down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly believe it can can happen to anyone, but I think also particularly if you've got a history of, of trauma, um, like you say, it's the perfect recipe. <laughs> it's the perfect. perfect recipe to eventually because that, that stuff needs to come out yeah and, and the more you're not addressing it and using the alcohol the less effective it is and I remember towards the end just going this isn't working anymore it's not working with my anxiety it's not stopping the feelings from you know this just unhappiness yeah um, it's just not even what it's not fun there's nothing I'm enjoying about this and I remember actually sitting out on the deck crying with the wine like late at night just going I oh, I don't want this but I can't stop it yeah so interesting but through all this time were you still holding down you know like a corporate job and and all that sort of stuff or did the wheel start um, to fall off there as well well I just finished the degree and I was doing some freelancing so I was still doing some work but what I would do was I would have my strategies around how I was able to drink up to a certain point before I got completely shit-faced yeah, and then wasn't yeah. able to work yeah. so you know I would just start off early with like beers so that I didn't get really drunk really quickly yeah yeah um, um and then i'd still be able to do like some work up until early afternoon it's funny isn't it, it becomes like a full-time job like just listening to you talk about it you, like you said like all the strategies the thinking that goes into oh. it oh just drink beer alternating oh. the bottle shops yeah yeah <laughs> you know alternating the bottle shops and i would still try and convince myself each time i went to the bottle shop because i would only buy one bottle of wine or six, say six beers at a time because i'd be like no i'm not going for another one after this and i would literally get home neck it in half an hour and go right yeah, back, yeah. back out but to a different one yeah so <laughs> yeah so what was the final moment for you where you decided to stop was it that time when you're on the on the deck or on the on the balcony with the with the wine and and crying or or was did it it was it was close to that time yeah i was getting to a stage where i kind of didn't really care if i lived or died yeah um and i knew it was out of control i yeah. i couldn't i couldn't it was very evident that you know, I couldn't pretend otherwise anymore. Yeah. Um, like once I picked up a drink, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I, there was a chance I wouldn't remember, you know, most of the time after that, um, uh -huh. probably about half an hour to an hour after that. I wouldn't necessarily, if I'd gone out, I wouldn't remember how I was getting home. Yeah. You know, like, well, it was just who knew what was going to happen after I'd started drinking? Yeah. No one. Yeah. So I'd, yeah. I'd really had lost control. And there were a couple of times when I'd, I'd one time when I went to emergency because I was in such a mess um, and my daughter had to take me and it was just the shame of it all. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I just, I was in such a lot of emotional pain. I yeah. think I just knew it had to end. Yeah. hundred percent. So 
how did you go about that? Like, what was that like? You know, what kind of help did you get? Um, um, so I went to, I was not coping. So I went to my therapist that I was seeing at the time, a, a psych that I've been seeing for about four years. Yeah. And she said to me, you know, and I, I had been drinking before I went there and she said to me, I think you've, you, you've hit rock bottom basically. Yeah. Um, and so then I contacted Biala here in Brisbane and they, and I said, I, I need to go in somewhere. I can't, I can't do it by myself. Yeah. It, yeah. it was past that. I would find a strategy to get out of doing whatever was needed. Yeah. Um, and so I, I went to, I went into inpatient detox at the, at the hospital yeah um but i couldn't get in for 10 days so i was admitted um to emergency and then a, a couple of times i was in emergency and then they, they said yeah because mentally i was not in a good way yeah yeah so and how long did you spend in that facility and um uh, i think it was about six days yeah yeah. So with detox, as you know, Jack, um, they really, it's just around the safe withdrawal from the, uh, either the drug, drugs or the alcohol. There's not a lot of sort of psychosocial education or anything like that in there. Um, and, you know, most people use it as a stepping stone to go to rehab. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't feel, well, I actually didn't know I could get rehab on my private health. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like, the circuit breaker was enough um, of the six days. Yeah, yeah. So, so because you mentioned, and and this is what I'm interested to talk to you about. And um, uh, again, like we've been lucky lately to have a few people on the show that sort of not that it's any different, but I just think it's this. And I don't know if you agree. It's the segment of the community that probably I think experiences the most stigma because they're not recognised of as having like an addiction because in some aspects like yourself, they're able to hold things together. Um, and, and yeah, that is that sort of um, professional person or functioning person, um, all those sorts of things. So how did you, like you, you mentioned, yeah, that you created um, Untoxicated because it's like what you felt like you needed. So like, what was that experience like after you went to detox? We Did you just, was it self-determined? Did you speak to anyone? Like, how did you decide what you were going to do to stay sober? Um, I just knew I had to, for a long time, the, the, the label alcoholic, was not helpful for me at all. And I know it's not helpful for a lot of people. Mm. But for me to actually maintain sobriety, it was useful because yeah. there was no black, it was, it was, there was no wriggle room. Yeah. The problem <laughs> was the wriggle room for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um the, the wriggle room for me about whether I was or whether I wasn't or you know, whatever. So so I it just had to be I'm not a black and white thinker at all. I'm all shades of grey, but it had to be black and white. Yeah. For me. So and I know different mindsets work for different people. So when I came out, I was just like, I never want I'd scared myself. Yeah. As to as to the place that I was in. Yeah. Um before and I I I didn't want to go back there. Yeah. And I worried that I wouldn't make it if I did. Yeah. You know, which sounds sort of like incredibly dramatic, but I was because I was in such a such emotional 
turmoil and pain and and everything that I just thought oh I I, I that level of sort of desperation and and everything um I I just didn't want to go back there I'd scared myself that I the place that I was at yeah so yeah. so I came out and I you know just threw everything at it really yeah um I did a little bit of AA that wasn't really my cup of tea um and I thought you know when I started intoxicated I kind of thought you know with with AA and I know it works for a lot of people and I don't like to condemn any particular type of recovery I think people should absolutely try everything for themselves um, I was seeing an AOD counsellor but I just thought you know there's got to be some fun in recovery as yeah. well and I thought, I know if someone tells me what to do, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to have something that was using a, a carrot approach, not a stick approach in that yeah. drawing people to it because it was something that they actually thought was like appealing yeah. um, as opposed to oh god I've got to go you know because we're not a recovery program but I mean obviously it's part of people what people use if they are either right. in recovery or trying to trying to cut back so I I didn't want it to be I wanted it to be something that was a bit lighter and a bit more um removing that stigma because I was like fuck this I'm not gonna be you know I'm not uh, the sobriety needs a bit of a makeover. Like, who says that this stuff's boring? Who decided that? No, I don't agree. And so I'm going to do something about it. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> no, it's perfect. And it's it's funny, right? Like, um, yeah, it's something that so many people say to me um, when when they come through our program or just talking to people out in the community or whatever, like, and you're right. Like I, I'm the same. I, I've tried to be conscious about it as well because I did like 12 step stuff for a long time and it, and it helped yeah. me like change, change everything. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that like there's some points about it that just a lot of people don't gel with and it's not like bagging it or whatever, but I think no. that's, I think that's a thing. Like there's a certain type of person that doesn't want to go to like a, community hall for the rest of their life doesn't want to talk about like bad stuff that you know consistently happened to them for 20 years or whatever um and yeah they're looking for some fun for some other like-minded people um and it's just something that's missing you know <laughs> yeah i think there's a couple of parts there i think that there's a lot of people that don't um you know want to get off the hamster wheel early so yeah. they don't want to reach rock bottom and need to go to AA. That's right. And so we've got to provide them options to be able to do that. And that's a and, massive and segment of the community. It's a actually. massive segment. It yeah. is huge. And so what if those if those people ever did walk through the doors of a meeting, they would go like I used to do, which is like, I don't belong here. This isn't, I'm not, no. And then they don't go back. Um, and you know, or they kind of go like, oh, oh, I haven't got a problem. I'm nowhere near as bad as these people. Yeah, yeah. I'm only necking a bottle of wine a night. <laughs> um, so I think that we need to give people opportunities to get out earlier. Yeah. And those people aren't necessarily people who are going to identify with the kind of terminology we use around addiction. 
Yeah. Um, so we 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 want to give them a way to get off that's in a non-threatening way. Mm. That's not like oh you've now got to be you know classed as an addict or you we you. But what invariably happens is those people will start say coming to our stuff and then they'll start tapping into other resources. That's right. All the other stuff comes up. That's right. Um, but at the entry point, they might not be be ready for that. And I think the other thing is that for people who are in recovery, um, even if you are in a program, and again, I don't want to bag AA. They were they were. I found it really useful at the outset just to be around people who understood and to be able to go and have a rant um, about how unfair it was that I now couldn't drink. Um, <laughs> but. Um, there's not a lot socially, even for people who are in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. It's been cool. I don't know if there's anything up in, um, in, uh, in Brisbane. Um, it would be great. It would be your, your company name would be a great name for the, for the venue. But in Melbourne, there's been a couple of, um, sober, sober bars open, which is cool. Oh, the Brunswick Aces. Yeah. 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 And I think there's another one somewhere as well that I saw, um, yeah, so I'm interested to see how they go. But I was talking to someone else about it the other day. It's almost like it's it's been a really good thing, um, particularly with alcohol, you know, that it's kind of come along with like the wellness movement, um, yeah. you know, and, and it sort of fit into that category. And you're exactly right. Like there's just that massive population of people that are not like in the completely fuck they're not like suicidal and whatever but but they do have like some issues going on and and yeah. it needs to be framed in a in a different way so yeah it's it's pretty cool i so- think because of the shame and stigma those people sometimes won't help seek until they do reach rock bottom so we need to be more open and start reducing that so that it's much more like we have with mental health 100 percent. for example where people are like oh yeah you know i've this is kind of this is normal to experience some mental health stuff. I'm going to go to my GP and get get a mental health care plan, or you know whatever whatever they might happen to be on blue or whatever it is. Yeah, um, we have to start doing that with addiction as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so would you say that you sort of subscribe to that notion or that way of thinking about it? That like that let's call them, uh, I'm almost moving towards not even calling it addiction these days, like calling it like addictive patterns or something. I don't know, but that you're on kind of like a spectrum of addiction and that you can at any different moment due to anything that might happen or go on in and around your life, you can move up and down the spectrum, you know, Um, is that kind of how you think about it or do you think about it in a different way, like the disease concept or? No, I don't think about it as a disease concept. Look, I'm very much in line with, you know, the work of Gabor Mate, um, Bessel van der Kolk, which is around the body keeps the score, the trauma stuff, all the trauma stuff. Yeah. From what I've seen in uh, this space, yeah. Lots of people um, are using it, to the, 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 the alcohol or other substances, whatever it is, um, to deal with their, 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 essentially their inner pain um, and or mental health stuff. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, and so uh, that's, you know, it's like, right, okay, well, what's, what's underneath the surface of that? That's what needs to be, to be addressed. But you can't really do it. I mean, I was in therapy 
for, for a long time, but really until you stop drinking That's or, right. or, or using, yeah. you're not going to make the cut through because you're still hurting yourself on a regular basis. So yeah. you're still, it's essentially self-harm. Um, and you can't, how can you cultivate like a, a, a good relationship with yourself when you're still hurting yourself daily? Yeah, yeah. And so you can't address those other things because you need to learn the self-compassion and, and you know, all the other things that we do in, in recovery. Yeah. Um, and the tools and the and the growth and everything. Yeah. Doesn't, just can't do when you're stuck in the pattern of but so yeah, I think I think it is um like a a sort of a spectrum, I think. Yeah. So um it's 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 interesting that you say that because I, I completely subscribe to that notion of like, yeah, like that there's a it's not just about getting sober to get sober. Like there's a purpose to the sober, which is to give you the blank canvas to, to work on all the other stuff. And you're right. I found the same thing that it's really hard to kind of truly work through stuff um, properly. If, if you're still putting drugs and alcohol into your system and kind of creating a bit of a smoke screen um, in there, it's sort of like trying to drive around the streets in, in extreme fog without any headlights on, you know what I mean? It's just tricky yeah. to kind of navigate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of it is about that sort of looking after yourself yeah, and having your own back. It's sort of reparenting in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And that's why sometimes I get a little bit frustrated with like influences and things like that on, on, you know, and I know it absolutely has to play a part. And I love this new movement that's over curious that's coming through and all of that. Yeah. But I think sometimes people can think the perception can be, Oh, I just dropped my alcohol free, you know, my alcoholic drink for an alcohol free one. And that's all yeah. I got to do. Yeah. And that's not, for most people, yeah, what you got to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, and like I, I reckon where we have to sort of get to it for for just if you think about it in like a public health sense for the general population for all those people that are you know not at the pointy end and they're moving up and down the spectrum and even for the people that are at the pointy end. Um, is is yeah like a bit more like physical health you know so last night in melbourne it was fucking freezing i'm getting i'm getting soft i'm getting soft i must oh i know i'm with you i I love melbourne but i could not live in the cold again after england (laughs) that's right that's right um yeah go on yeah like last night i think it was about maybe 10 degrees out or even a bit cooler nine or something it's probably not advisable to go outside in weather like that without a jumper on because you're going to catch a cold, you know? So uh, I've been saying it a bit, but it's, it's sort of how I've been thinking about, you know, um, alcohol and drugs for people as they move on just in life. And it's hard to kind of get your head around, but yeah, if you've had an argument with your significant other, your partner, or if you stress the fuck out at work or if yeah, you're struggling with some mental health stuff or you're under a lot of pressure with like a exam or I don't know, maybe it's not advisable to like 
have a couple of wines that night because it's actually that stuff underneath that is sort of like the fuel to the fire. <laughs> um, it is, yeah. but the problem is if you've never learned healthy coping mechanisms, which I hadn't, because I've been I've been drinking from you know from teenage years and and drugs, and yeah. uh, just recreational drugs, um, and if you've never actually learned ways to do that, that just feels like another thing that you've got to do. Like yep. I'm already stressed out. I'm studying. I'm working full time. I've got kids. I've got health. Blah 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 blah. I can't take the time to go and do yoga or do my meditation or whatever yeah. it is. It just feels like another thing to add to your pile. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you know, you just want the quick fix. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, just changing gears slightly. Um, sure. What's it like being the intoxicated? person and and sort of having that as a part of your identity now as you said like out in the social community you did the 730 report what was that like yeah like how's the whole process been yeah yeah that was a couple of years ago look I mean I'm not gonna lie it's been quite stressful yeah (laughs) (laughs) because we became a charity earlier this year oh congratulations um, thank you so I've we're a health promotion promotion charity so I've left my job to make this work yeah and um you know it's that's 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 quite a hard bit um 100 yeah so but for the most part you know i love it because i think we need to i i love so in in the facebook group i love um, you know i'm quite involved in that community yeah and i just like I've always liked helping people, which is why I was doing the psych degree anyway, um, to yeah. support people in their in their troubles. And I just believe in people. I believe in self-actualization. I believe in holding space for people in a non-judgmental way. I think we need to. Um, people are already feel they've already judged themselves so much by the time they get to that point where they're actually help seeking that I think just letting them know that it's, that it's okay. And yeah, I just, I love all that. I love the opportunity to help shape the narrative, shift the narrative. Um, Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I never thought it was going to end up like this, like it has. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it feels like it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And I I always love hearing people's like journeys and stories as well, because it's kind of it's kind of interesting to me how all the different things that you've kind of done in your life, good and bad, lead to like this moment in terms of yeah, like when it for and for everyone, I encourage you to go check out, you know, the website if you haven't seen it already, join the groups and all that stuff. Like yeah, you, you've had the background in in marketing. You know, you've you've now done the um, degree in in psych stuff. Um, yeah, and like I go and look at the thing. It's got it's a great name for it. The 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 branding looks cool. You know, you obviously understand different things about yeah, like addiction from a personal and and professional standpoint. Yeah, so it's just yeah. really cool to kind of. Meld it it all together. Meld it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I do love it. Yeah. So, so what do you guys actually do at the moment? Like I I see you got like a few things going on too. Like I said to you before we started recording it, it's almost, it's, it's like a movement, but it has, yeah, that support services like built into it as well, which is cool. 
Yeah, yeah. So we do we do the online peer support. We do face to face meetups in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Um, we're wanting to expand this year. We constantly get requests for new groups. Um, I'm developing another online platform at the moment where people will be able to have confidentiality because I, I want to shift more off Facebook. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on that, trying to get funding for the charity or a corporate partnership or something. Yeah. Um, so that we can actually stay afloat would be good. So um, anybody listening that's cashed out. <laughs> Yeah, give us the money, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got ten thousand members. Um, Amazing. The meetup groups and the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously, our social channels as well. On top of that, um, so there's a lot of people out there that want this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm just sort of trying, and I'm uh, going to be training to become a sober coach as well. Um, I'm starting that. Is it this month? No, June. Um, yeah. So that's another thing. And yeah, I'm just sort of seeing where it goes, really. I mean, I can't, uh, I can't predict where it's going to go. I'm just sort of trying to have faith in the universe and let it all unfold. Yeah, no, no, it's super cool. And hey, I'd like to say thanks for doing it because it, you're right. Like, that's the reality to all these things. You know, I always sort of um, um, giggle to myself when people say we, we need this, we need that, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, to actually kind of put it together from just a commercial standpoint and, and sort of make it make it work, make it something that's cool that people need, but then also make it viable. It, it's it's really tough. And it you is. know, that social particularly that kind of group social element where you like out doing activities to make it feasible and all that stuff, it's it's hard. But uh, yeah, I, I just think it's great that you're doing it because I haven't seen too much of that. You know, like I've seen like the online communities it's and so stuff. Hard to make it work. That's, That's why. right. <laughs> That's, That's why right. people don't do it. That's uh, right. They're sensible. So we're all solely volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> we're it. all solely volunteer led. Yeah. So yeah. everyone's a volunteer. All the hosts are volunteers. I think pretty much all the hosts. So these are people that host the face-to-face meetups have lived experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, generally they're people that do do want to give back as people do in these sorts of communities. Um, but I think a really important part of, of what we do as well as obviously the social connection and the community is people seeing that there's other people like them. That's right. And, that are and normal all, and not free. That are normal. Yeah. Because I think... You know, A, they think they're the only ones going through this, and B, they think other people who are going through it are, you know, people that are sort of the perceptions of. That's right. Um, what you see in the movies, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, all of that. And even if, you know, even just people who aren't at sort of, you know, the rock bottomy type stage, really problematic drinkers. Because the other thing is, we don't ask why people come. Awesome. We just say, anyone can come as long as you're not no drinking at the event. So what that means actually is we get people who are um, just don't like drinking. Yeah. Um, so it reduces, you're not by coming along identifying as someone who's got a problem with alcohol necessarily. I love that. that yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I think that's what needs to change because personally that's what I've, I've found as well. Like uh, I find that other people are more uncomfortable with me not drinking then I'm uncomfortable about it. You know, like if I go out and and the part about it that I hate so much, even though it is kind of the founding reason of me not drinking, um, 
if I go out and meet new people with like my wife's friends or something and I'm like, and they're like, Oh, like, do you want to, do you want to drink? And you say, no, they just assume that you're like, yeah, this, that you had a problem with alcohol basically. And, and that might not be the reason for a lot of people. It might be just like, no, they just don't like it. And that's okay as well. (laughs) Honestly, I swear to God, I was shocked when people were coming and they just didn't like drinking. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, who are you you know but yeah I've been quite surprised and this, the sort of feedback that we've had is oh it's just such a relief to be able to go to a dinner or something and not be pressured yeah because I don't you know I'm happy just to have one and so obviously they have none at ours and they're happy with that yeah but they it just takes the pressure away so so the irony here is people who are at either ends yeah they've that awful amount of pressure so whether you're a non-drinker or you're someone who's a heavy drinker you're going to get that pressure from others around you and, yeah. and what that means then is that you're likely to stay home and avoid yeah yeah you, know, and you shouldn't have to 100 percent. so um uh what kind of activities do you guys do um when, oh, when do you go everything. everything we do everything so what i say to hosts is look play to your strengths do the sorts of things that you like to do so I mean, just some of the things off the top of my head. Um, we've got we've got a camping weekend coming up because lots of people associate obviously drinking with camping. So for wow. a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever done it without alcohol. Wow. Um, we do a lot of things like dinners because people need to start rewiring their experiences, their new exactly. pathways around that um movies we've got mountain biking we do try and do some things that are more male centric because men are sort of less likely to uh you know uh, it's nice for men to be in an environment where there's a lot of other men and they feel comfortable yeah Yeah. so we've got a couple of hosts that that do those more those sorts of things we've had mocktail making classes we've had the brunswick cases we've had a a visit to that we've got oh nice no lights, no lycra thing coming up with the dancing, you know, dancing in the dark. Uh, we've <laughs> discos, roller discos. We've it's just whatever's on, you know, yep. art galleries. We've had a singles night. Yep. Um, it really is just there's just so many. We do lots of creative stuff as well. It's just yeah, all all sorts. You name it, we do it. Brilliant, brilliant, love it. So. The other question I wanted to ask you and, and sort of the last thing, because, yeah, again, the thing I like about what you're doing is providing these kind of practical solutions, but, yeah, making it cool and sort of making a bit of a movement out of it as well. So um, I saw a post where you, uh, I think it was on LinkedIn, you were like talking to a crowd or maybe it was Facebook, I can't remember. Um so, so what's sort of the message that has to go out around alcohol? Do you do you think and and like how do you actually go about shifting these perceptions and and the understanding that we have about addiction in the community and just alcohol in general and all those sorts of sorts of things? Yeah, I mean, I think sharing stories is always a really powerful way. Yeah. Um, to yeah. say this is what happened to me and this is my experience and I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I'm nothing out of the ordinary. Um, I think also, I mean, I never take an anti-alcohol position yeah. personally. 
Yeah, me too. I think, um, you know, the alcohol is just the substance in the same way as gambling or food or sex or whatever the, whatever right. the thing is that you happen to get addicted to. And the more um, you try and ban the thing or tell yeah. people what to do, the more they don't do it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not in with the telling people what to do because I'm, I, there's the rebel in me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just go, nah, <laughs> for that message. Um, so I think though we need, we definitely do need to be more compassionate towards um yeah. people with addiction. You know, there was that SBS series, The Addicted I Loved. Um, yeah. and yeah. they they, you know, they had a they had an amazing um, I think it was over four weeks showing people about how they need it needs to be a compassionate approach. It needs to be seen as a health issue as opposed to a criminal or personal or moral failing yeah um and yeah I, I just think also um it doesn't hurt to because all I want to advocate for is is essentially choice yeah I just want people to be able to go out not have a drink if they don't want one have a drink if they want one whichever yeah. you want to do yeah and feel comfortable in that choice you know yeah but just don't give other people shit about it yeah. You know, with the disclaimer that I used to be terrible myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, but now I can see that I'm on the other side. How, um, you know, because times when I try not to drink and because people around me and it's my responsibility at the end of the day. But if you're trying not to drink and someone says, oh, go on, you know, don't be so boring. I would always, <laughs> I would always cave. Yeah. I had zero. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm leaving the car. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I've got something on tomorrow at six o'clock. Oh, well, never mind. Let's get completely hammered. So yeah. I just think if people can just stop and pause a little bit and think about, um, you know, what that other person might be going through, uh, just or where they're at. And I think also, you know, I use this example quite a bit, where like around vegetarianism and veganism. Yeah. It used to be a massive thing to be either of those things, and it was a right pain in the ass because you could never get the things that you wanted. And now yeah, it's commonplace. You can go to the supermarket. You've got an array of stuff available to you. Yep. Yeah okay great you're a vegetarian well no one cares <laughs> you know like it's 100%. just not a, it's just not a big deal i'd like to see i'd like to see the drinking go that way in terms of the social pressure yeah 100 percent. yeah uh again i i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more so um yeah we're a we're a champion of everything that you're uh, putting down um we're picking it up so yeah it's it's awesome stuff so everybody make sure um you check out untoxicate um intoxicated um intoxicated, yeah can't talk today jesus um but right. it's, it's the cold um, that's right frozen your tongue that's right no it's it's really like because i've been doing so many shows in the last couple of days it's just people roll their eyes and think how could that be difficult but when you have to talk all day oh, yeah. and think about things it just drives me insane so anyway um yeah, yeah. but yeah that what you're doing it's amazing um thank you i really really love it so encourage everyone to check it out um i'll make sure i have all the stuff in the show notes but um where can people where's the best place for people to find you and and um everything that you guys are doing i would just go to the website which is um intoxicated so that's um, UN, not IN, yeah. intoxicated.com.au. And basically it's got 
point you into any direction for anything that you want that we do. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Faye Lawrence, everybody, superstar. Thanks, mate. Oh, thanks, Jack. It's been lovely talking to you. Talk again soon. Bye. Thanks for having me on. See ya. That was another episode of Real Drug Talk. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with addictive patterns, you can visit www.connectionbasedliving.com.au. We help people transform out of addictive patterns without having to go to rehab. Uh, so if that sounds of interest to you, details details will be in the show notes. Um, if you like what we're doing and you know the messages that we're putting out, we would love if you gave us um, a bit of a review and gave us some stars um, on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. It just helps us progress up through the ranks getting our message out there to more people, hack the algorithms, all that kind of stuff, um, and hopefully provide some hope and um, solutions and and information to people that are looking for it. Um, So yeah, if you like what we're doing, um, we would love if you could kind of give us some sort of review. Hope you enjoy your day um, and we'll be vibing in your ears again soon. Peace.